0: So in this fall at the men's retreat, uh, Doug Johnson was going to be there, and he said, you know, I have a spiritual son, Peter New- Newberg, and uh, I think you guys would really enjoy getting to meet him and, and just what he brings. So we set it up. Peter came, and um, that was my first time meeting him. The word that he brought that day was, was really rich, and I wanted to try to get him back before they leave, he and his family actually live in Africa, and he'll fill you in on some of those details and have been there for quite a few years. And uh, so even at the end today, when we take an offering, it's really sewing into the work that's taking place in Africa and what they're doing. It's just a great track record, but it's been rich over these last couple days, uh, just getting to talk with him and hear his heart and all that, all that God is doing through he and his family. So let's give a house welcome to Peter Newberger.
1: Thank you. It's an honor to be here today. Um, yeah, I know uh, Papa Doug's a friend of this house. He's been here a few times because he lives, well, most of the year he lives just down the highway. Yeah. This time of year he lives in Florida. So, um but I love Doug. Doug and I've been together for uh, 20 years now, yep. and uh, we have a very rich and deep relationship. He's a father for Rebecca and I, and um, so he told me about his. He, you know, over the last few years, he's told me about he has this friend uh, named Robert that lives nearby, and uh, they've really connected and just become a really good brother, and they revelate together and. There's a lunch, I guess, on Tuesdays or something where just people get together, talk about the things of God. I was like, man, this is a group of, this is a, these are some people and Robert's somebody probably get along really well with. And uh, so we had a good time last night fellowshipping with Linda and uh, they host, thanks for hosting me very well. And it is an honor to be with you. Uh, today, so as Robert was saying, uh, my wife Rebecca and our five kids, we are full time missionaries in Africa. Um, I've been there since 2007. I actually met Rebecca in Africa when she came on a mission trip from Alaska, um, and so um, it's a good story, but it would take up the whole time. Um, but it, it's uh, the Lord was definitely had his hand in that, um, and so. Next year we started dating, we got married the following year, uh, moved to Africa, and three months after moving there, everything collapsed and everything fell apart, Um, and I share that because this message was born out of that season. Um, And then uh, we came back, went through some healing, and then relaunched back as our own 501c3, and we've been there ever since, living in Tanzania at the foot of Mount Kilimanjaro, in 2019, we moved to northern Rwanda, and now we are actually in the process of moving to Zambia. So we're moving from East Africa into Southern Africa while continuing all the different things the Lord has us doing in all of those different nations and more nations than that. So if you want more information on our mission, there's a table set up in the back. Um, you can get an idea of who we are, um, what we do, what we stand for, our values. Um Take some brochures, sign up for the mailing list. It's a little old school back there, but I'm just old school. Um, and uh, we have a little product table back there. Uh, it's not books or CDs, I don't have any of that, but we have Rwanda chocolate and Rwandan tea. And there's supposed to be some Tanzanian peaberry coffee, but FedEx is a little slow. So it's going to arrive tomorrow. So I'm sorry about that, guys. It is phenomenal coffee. So it's uh, called Kashaba Coffee, is our little label. Um, that we have as a, an addition to our mission, which is called Keshava Tribe Ministries. And it's just one of the things the Lord had us start doing to bring in uh, additional revenue streams under his direction. Um, and so we're just being faithful to that. And it's a lot of fun, too. I, the coffee? Yeah. Monday? No, where is it arriving? Here. Nice. Uh, well, in Maryland. I should say here who I meant like East Coast. <laughs> so uh, I, grew, I, I grew, I spent... You can buy it online at kashabacoffee.com. There you go. So that's the plug. Thank you for helping me do a plug. I appreciate that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I think our I think our tagline is um, let the um, oh shoot I can't even remember our tagline. It's been a while. All right, it's all back there. You can come talk to me uh, about all of it. Um, We run mission trips. Uh, every year to different nations, so we have three set up for next year if you ever wanted to come on a mission trip to Africa and experience what Africa's like it 's an amazing place. I encourage everyone to make a pilgrimage at least once in their life. It is a beautiful place it 's an amazing place with amazing people. Um, regardless of what Western media shows about Africa, 9five percent of Africa is beautiful and amazing, and you should experience it at least once. So thats it 's my land. I'm, they're my people, and especially in different tribes, they've welcomed me in. And so it's it's home. It's home. And I can't wait to get back home because COVID has kept us away from home for so long. All right. So that's all the announcements. Let's get into some revelatory <laughs> teaching, I guess. How about that? Yeah. Okay. Um, so uh, to start this message off, you know, all, all preachers, they usually have their one-liners uh, to make it like really trendy. So I came up with my own one liner and it goes like this before you can have a message. First, you got to have a mess and then you age and then you have a message. So that's an original. It's my only one I have. I thought it was pretty witty. The, the sad part is it doesn't translate in Africa. So they just kind of look at me like, cause it just, it's English, so it doesn't translate into Swahili or Kenya, Rwandan, or anything else. So um, so here we go. So um, we're going to learn a couple Greek words today. Oh, there we go. Perfect. Um, and so the first one, um, one of the Greek words, the most common Greek word used to express the idea of forgiveness, is a Greek word called "aphaemi." Um, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. I'm not a Greek scholar. Um, my uncle is, but I'm not. Um, and so it's made up of two uh, different participles. You have apo and then you have amy. And so apo uh, means uh, off or away from something that is near. And amy means to send or go. So the idea of forgiveness means to send away or to send off. All right? And so I think this Greek word was chosen to express that idea because in the Old Testament, in Leviticus 16, you had the idea of the scapegoat, where they laid the sins of Israel on the scapegoat and sent it away off into the wilderness away from the camp. So that's just what I think. I don't know if I'm right or not. You can ask a scholar. I'm not one. Um, But I like to study. And so this word, Aphaemi, is used 146 times in the New Testament. And in most of the major places where we see forgiveness talked about, such as the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 18, this is the Greek word that is used. And so, um, so let's dive into that a little bit. But before I do, um, let me share a testimony. Um, as a missionary in Africa, we get to see God do amazing things. Um, the supernatural is a part of our ministry just because healing's a part of the gospel. And, uh, deliverance is a part of the gospel and kingdom breakthroughs and encounters with the father is a part of the gospel. So, um, if I had to define our mission, uh, in any which way, it's about bringing encounters to people so that their lives are changed and transformed. Cause that's what happens when Jesus walks into the room. Yeah. And so, um, so we do a lot of different events. We do crusade events, uh, really ha- like evangelism. We do a lot on Uh, training pastors and leaders and uh, giving equipping them to be more successful in what god's called them to do so (coughs) in one of our uh this is in 2013 in a town called kikatati uh so this is halfway between mount kilimanjaro and mount meru which is the two largest mountains in uh, tanzania and so we're doing a leaders event holy spirit's moving great things are happening and so during one of the times where the Holy Spirit shows up, this lady in the room just starts manifesting a critter. We'll call them critters, but I know you travel to Haiti, so you see a bunch of stuff, so we're probably okay in this context. Um, there was there was someone with her. And uh, so what happens in a lot of times, especially in Tanzania, one of the things we see is demons will manifest in people t- and basically manifest in knocking them out so they'll collapse so they're non-responsive so they can't encounter God and they also like can't really you can't really interact with the person so way we do deliverance is we take the person out of the room because I'm not interested in everyone staring at a manifesting demon I want keep people's eyes to be kept on Jesus so we don't I've seen some crazy stuff over there. We don't have to go into it today. But needless to say, I really enjoy teaching on deliverance over there to help churches and believers do it in a much better fashion. Because physically assaulting people and trying to punch the demon out of someone's head is a really poor ministry model. (laughs) And I'm not kidding. I've seen that happen. Okay. Um, And so... um, We take her out and there isn't a whole lot. So we're under the tree outside the church. I have an interpreter with me and, you know, just take the authority that I have as a son and quiet the demon down to get the person back. So that's how one of the keys of deliverance. You don't want to interact with the demon. You want to interact with the person. Um, The demon's really irrelevant to the whole thing. Um, And so we, I get her, finally get her back and get her attention and ask like, Hey, uh, do you know why you're here? Do you know what's going on? Because my experience, 50% of the people who need deliverance understand why. Um, And she was like, so I find out through an interview that um, she, this happens whenever the Holy Spirit shows up in a meeting. And so this has been happening for two years. So then I go, oh, well, what happened around two years ago? Did something happen? Did you experience something really hard? And she proceeds to tell me the story that she's a single woman and she had a single solitary cow on her property. And during the night, two years previously, her neighbor came and stole her cow. And in the process of doing that shortly thereafter, sold the cow for money. Um, So it was sold. And then a few months later he died. And so this woman was deprived of her cow, which is pretty a catastrophic loss in the village life in Africa, because that cow provides milk, that cow will till the land, uh, it can be hired out to till other people's land. I mean, it's a major economic loss for this woman. And there was no recourse. There was no justice. Nothing could be done. The cow's gone, the money's gone, the perpetrator is gone. And so that's when she began, bitterness came in, and she was not able to forgive and brought unforgiveness into her life. And so... Ever since then, for two years, whenever Holy Spirit would show up, she would end up under the influence of a demonic entity and passed out basically in the meeting. And so I talking with her, I was like, well, do you want to be set free from this? She's like, yes, of course. Everybody usually wants to be set free except the witch doctor. (laughs) Sometimes the witch doctor wants, you know, to get seven times more power because they understand the scriptures. Um, And, uh, and so I was like, okay, well, here's what we need to do. Like we need to forgive this person. I was like, are you willing to forgive this person? She's like, no. So I have to do a five minute teaching on forgiveness. And at the end of it, I say, this is the word of the Lord. I promise you, if you forgive this person, you will be set free. And so, um, so I'm like, will you forgive? And she's like, yes. I was like, okay, I'm going to lead you in a prayer of forgiveness. Da, da, da. I forgive Mr. Bob for... Uh, stealing my cow, and da 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 da, da. And, um And so uh, as she prays that, she's making these declarations. It has to be verbal. It has to be out loud. It can't be a quiet prayer. It has. To, there's power in the declaration of the tongue, which is a whole different message. Um, and so she does that. So I'm like, okay, now I'm going to pray, and we're going to cast the sucker out. So I begin to pray. She begins to hulk up a little bit. Um, you know, you can just tell I've done it a lot. It's all good. Um, and uh, um, and so I just say in um, spirit of unforgiveness, demonic spirit, you must leave now in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, the peace of God descends on her, and on like you can feel it. Her body relaxes. She has a couple tears run down her face, and she's like, "It's gone. It's gone." And so you know, we're like, this is awesome. Um, And so, you know, we pray blessings, come Holy Spirit, fill, always want to fill up after the end when something is out. So I'm giving you all this free deliverance teaching. I don't know if you're catching it, but this is all bonus for you to be more successful in setting, helping to set people free. And, um, And so she gets up and she starts doing this with her stomach. And she has this really strange look on her face and this kind of sh- shocked, surprised look of joy on her face. And so I'm like, hey, what's going on? And she's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, what's happening? She's like, I'm healed. Yeah. I'm like, healed of what? It's like, for two years, I've had constant acid reflux in my stomach, so it makes it really hard to eat or drink water or anything. It's been a constant thing for two years, and it's, and it's gone. She got healed. We didn't even pray for healing for that. But it came when she expressed forgiveness and dealt and got rid of the unforgiveness in her life. And so anyway, that was a really big learning uh, thing. So that's why I talk on forgiveness often. Um, It's one of our core messages that we share um, because of how powerful it is and how important it was. Jesus taught on it uh, at length. And in this day and age, especially in our society, I think we need to revisit this topic, especially in the church, because it's really it seems like it's really hard for Christians to practice the teachings of Jesus when it comes to forgiveness. I know you're all on Facebook. (laughs) We laugh, but it is true. So, um. So this is why I've been teaching on this a whole lot. And the other reason I teach on forgiveness a lot is one of the things we've seen is like we do schools of healing over there. We'll go into comp, do conferences, four-day conferences. And I always used to incorporate forgiveness in the mix of those message packages. Um, but now what I've done is that's actually the first one I do now. I actually do it before I do the impartation of the Father's love, which is another core thing, because once you deal with forgiveness and you get people to experience, uh, forgiveness and forgive others and deal with unforgiveness. It greatly increases the manifestation of the kingdom of God for the rest of the meetings and in people's lives where they receive healing, where otherwise they might not have because unforgiveness acts as a block of the grace that God wants to pour out in people's lives. And so, um, so to illustrate this a little bit, uh, you can turn to Mark chapter 2. I'm not going to read the story to you, but uh, it's the story of the healing of the paralytic. Jesus is in a house. He's holding court. A crowd is gathered. If you, how many people have seen The Chosen? Yep. All right. If you haven't seen The Chosen, see The Chosen. That's just, I'm just telling you right now, you'll cry every episode like me. Be a blubbering mess. This is so beautiful. Oh, my gosh. Um. So they do this scene in, uh, um, in The Chosen. Um, but um, so the crowd is so thick that this paralytic cannot be taken to Jesus to get ministered to. So his friends who really love him climb up on the roof and make a hole in some dude's roof <laughs> and lower him. They destroy a roof to lower him down so that Jesus might pray for him. So what's the moral, what's the lesson of the story so far? You want to have friends like this guy, not like Job. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Choose, choose your friends wisely because they might be the ones to lower you down through a roof to Jesus's feet. All right. And so what happens? It's an interesting interaction that happens between Jesus and this paralytic man. Jesus could have started off and just said, rise, be healed, take your mat, go home. But that's not exactly how he starts the interaction. Um, Instead, one of the things he says before healing happens is, my son, your sins are forgiven. Which is an interesting way to do things if you're looking at a paralyzed man like they need healing. But first he offers these words of forgiveness. And then the healing comes afterwards. And so my opinion in this is that I think Jesus had a word of knowledge, looked at what the primary issue was, which was this was a guy in Jewish culture. And we see this from Job's story, right, where if you had a long term illness or malady affecting your life, you must have done something wrong. You must have sinned. Your parents must have sinned. And so the culture bred condemnation and shame on anyone with a long-term illness. Right? Someone was talking about the woman with the issue of blood who had to crawl through the crowd on her hands and knees just to touch Jesus' garment because if she walked through, she would be stoned to death for making the whole crowd unclean. That's a whole nother story, right? whole nother message right there. And so... Um, so Jesus looks at this young man and sees the condemnation on him. So he has to remove the block that existed first. So once that's removed, then the young man could hear the words of healing and his faith could be activated to receive them so that he could receive a miracle. Now that's just my opinion. You don't have to take it, but it makes sense to me. Cause I've seen in ministry many times, you have to deal with a blockage before people can receive grace that they're needing, but it's tied to over here. So we got to deal with this thing here. And just like the lady in Kikatati, we dealt with the unforgiveness issue and she naturally just received the healing. And we didn't even have to pray for it. Yeah. So to put it this way. Um, so what do we, what do we see in this? To me, it shows the link between forgiveness and healing. And in fact, if we really wanted to break it down, forgiveness and healing are the exact same thing. There is no difference between the two. Both are found in the finished work of the cross. Both are found at Calvary. Provision for both occurred there. Um, Forgiveness is the restoring of the standard from what has fallen And healing is the restoring of the standard of health and wholeness. Forgiveness deals with the issue of sin itself and sins. Healing deals with the effects of sin. And so if it's the finished work of the cross, where the sin has been dealt with from God's perspective, not just the acts of sin. See, the blood of Jesus will cover all the acts of sin that we have committed, will commit, whatever do. The broken body of Jesus was broken so that we can, our bodies can be fully restored into God's original plan. Both are found at the cross. There's a synergy there. And so forgiveness and healing, same exact thing. There's no theological difference between the two. So if we have a culture that moves in forgiveness and we're going to include confession and repentance in this, those, are those, those can be their own messages, but I'm going to tie a couple points from those in, then that's going to be a culture of healing. But if we don't move in forgiveness, we don't model it, we don't extend it to ourselves and to others, it's going to be really hard to have a culture of health, healing, and wholeness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, maybe that's why America is so unhealthy. Because we, we have a cancel culture idea now, right? Like, we've got to get rid of that. And Christians, you can't participate in that. It's the antithesis of the gospel. It's completely opposite of what Jesus would do. Jesus didn't cancel anybody. He met with the prostitute and the tax collectors. And at those times, those were the scum of the earth in Jewish culture. That would be the white supremacist. What do you say to the Pharisees, the religious people? I did not come to call the righteous. I came to call the sick. They need a doctor. C'est la. Sometimes if we want to be Christ-like, we're going to offend the religious people. Usually we will. I just like to flush them out at the beginning of my messages because then I know who they are. All right. So as I was saying, sickness, pain, disease, these are all effects from the fall. These are all effects of what happened when sin came into the world when, when Adam fell. And so, if our sins are forgiven at the cross, then it stands to maintain that all the effects of sin have also been forgiven as well. If not, then it's not the finished work of the cross. Then we'd have to add something to it, which is problematic on so many levels. But it is the finished work. So, forgiveness and healing, all the provision for all of it has already been rendered and is available for all those who believe. And... Sometimes even for people who don't believe. Because it, it's that good. And so with this culture of healing, we see in James 5.16, it hints at this truth, right? If we confess our sins to one another, pray for one another, we may be healed. So there's a power in confession that maybe the Catholic Church has a better revelation on it than the Protestant Church. Just a, I'm just surmising that, where there's an idea of confessing our sins to one another. But when we do that, that's an act of humility. That's an act of honesty. And what does it say in James 4, 6? God opposes the proud, but what? He gives grace to the? Right. And so when we confess our sins to one another, it's an act of humility. And that humility releases a grace, and that grace can bring healing. Now we've got to work out all the details of that. I'm not saying going around and confessing our sins to perfect strangers all the time will benefit us. People will just look at us really weird. Um, but when we confess our sins, it frees us from the shame and the condemnation that most people are under. I mean, even non-believers. I, mean, I remember when I, before I was a missionary, I worked in a business as an uh, international spice and seasoning company. I remember there was a guy uh part of the quality control department and good guy his name was Larry and I remember you know we talked sometimes about things of the gospel um everyone there knew I was a believer but I wasn't obnoxious cuz they would always invite me out with them so I figured I was witnessing correctly um we just had a reunion dinner uh a few weeks ago so a bunch of them showed up uh, it was fun and um I remember talking to Larry about it. And, you know, I knew Larry had lived a rough life when he was younger. He was older. He was probably 50 at this time, uh, 55. And like, you know, he definitely was into some hooliganism. Like, I know he did some violent things to some people, um, you know, and um, so we would talk about it. And I remember just explaining, you know, Jesus can forgive all of that. And he's like, no, God can't forgive me. I've done too much in my life. I was like, no, that's not the gospel, Larry. Like, there's more than enough for God to forgive you. And I don't know if he ever received that message. I hope he did. I don't know where he's at now. But, but he was an unbeliever who knew that he had sinned and fallen short. Um, he just didn't know that God's grace was even greater than his sin. Um, I tried, though. We'll see. Sometimes you just sow seeds. And other people water, other people harvest. That's the way the kingdom works. All right, so turn to John 20. Um, here's another, here's an interesting verse uh, where Jesus talks about some forgiveness. It's really interesting. Um, over the last, like, three or four years, um, I've noticed something interesting with this verse. So before, like, four years ago, whenever a preacher or pastor would talk on this passage, they would always leave off the last, last sentence, and it would always drive me nuts. Um But over the last three or four years, like every time I've heard a preacher preach on this passage, they include it now. And I'm like, yeah, we're making progress. And so here's what it says. So this is John 20. After the resurrection, uh, Jesus appears to his disciples, and this is what he says. Um, Jesus therefore said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And most times that's where it would stop. But we see Jesus didn't stop with that. He continues on. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. And if you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. So a couple things with this. First, uh, the Greek word for retain is krateo. Um, it means to use strength to seize or to hold. Its root is kratos, which is the word for power. Um which is to have power to take possession of the hold fast. Um, And so if we were to use the definitions I used for uh, forgiveness and um, for retaining, we could reread the scripture this way to give a picture. If you send away the sins of any, their sins have been sent away. If you take possession of the sins of any, they have been possessed. That's an interest, That would be an interesting rendering because I'm not sure we want to possess the sins of any. I think we want to send them far, far away. And so um, what's interesting is that we have this idea of receiving Holy Spirit that is tied to forgiving people. If you forgive the sins of any, receive the Holy Spirit if you forgive the sins of any. Receiving Holy Spirit and forgiveness go together. There is a direct uh, link to that. If we move in unforgiveness, then we're actually moving in the opposite spirit of Christ, and that will repel Holy Spirit from coming into your life. But if we forgive, then we're moving in the spirit of Christ because we're following our leader, our example, and that that opens up a pathway for Holy Spirit to come and we can receive Holy Spirit. It's getting quiet in here. Are we all right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see if we're all right after this. <laughs> so, um, one of the, my favorite chapters of the Bible is Matthew 18. There's I can preach multiple messages out of that chapter. Um, and it's a really great chapter, because it starts with the disciples asking Jesus a question. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And so Jesus, the rest of that chapter is an answer to that question. And what's interesting is in Jesus's answer, over half the chapter is about forgiveness. It's not about prophecy. It's not about healing or miracles or gifts of the spirit. It's about relational connection. And over half of it is specifically about forgiveness If you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, you need to have the ability to forgive. Just saying. Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? (laughs) Depart from me. I never knew you. (laughs) We okay? If you have any problems with this message... Send me an email. It's at uh, Robert at House of Praise for All Nations dot <laughs> com. And I'll be glad to get back with you when I have the opportunity. <laughs> you see, this was spoken to his disciples. This wasn't to the world. This wasn't to the Romans. Like this, this answer that Jesus gave was to the, his followers, to the people who named the name of Jesus. Um, and so uh, maybe it stands to us if we're going to call ourselves believers that we need to follow the teachings of Jesus. I mean, maybe. So what's interesting is you get to the end of the parable. So this is the parable, um, where you have the King that has a servant servant owes him a little, a whole slew of money, like a lifetime's worth of wages. And so the King calls him in to give an account, the slave, um, doesn't uh, have the money, so he pleads for mercy. Forgive me, king, da-da-da. And so the king, in his mercy, forgives him the debt. And so the slave gets up and goes away. And so um, that slave meets another slave who owes him a couple bucks, basically, and says, pay me back. I need my money. The guy says, Be, have mercy on me. Uh, I don't have the money, but I'll get it. And he's like, no, uh, that's not good. I need it now. And so he throws him into debtor's prison, uh, into jail, And that distresses everyone who knows uh, the story that's been going on. So then the king calls the first slave back in front of him and says, did I not forgive you this great amount? And basically uh, gives him the riot act for being a hypocrite, for not extending the same grace that you had already received to your fellow man. Um, And so what it does is that uh, the king then sends him into prison where he ends up being tortured by the torturers. And so... What's the crux of the story is um, when we don't forgive, it opens the door to a self-imposed prison that invites the torturers to come and torture us. Mm -hmm. See, part of the reason Jesus teaches on forgiveness so much is because the power that is found in it to bring freedom, to bring healing, to bring relief, like it's, it's not to make it have us have an emotional crisis to forgive someone who's done something traumatic to us. It's to set us free. It's so that we can receive the grace to receive healing, receive freedom so that these things no longer have to um, chain us for the rest of our lives. You know, one of the ways to say it is never let anyone live rent free inside your head. Right? Right. What's unforgiveness like? It's like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It don't work. Unforgiveness is cancer to the soul, and it will rot you out until you die. So, so we see in all of this, like forgiveness is a really important aspect in the kingdom of God, and a very important aspect to our faith. And Jesus teaches on it at length. You know the Lord's Prayer, right? Matthew 6, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Da-da-da, da da Well, what's interesting is what does Jesus say at, immediately after the Lord's Prayer in that chapter? Right? The Lord's Prayer covers many different things. The glory of God, worship, uh, provision, Um, heaven coming to earth, forgiveness being delivered from the evil one. There's all of these different aspects to the Lord's prayer. And what does Jesus continue on immediately after giving that to the disciples? Matthew six fourteen and 15. For if you forgive men their transgressions, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, then your father will not forgive your transgressions. He could have talked about anything, the glory of God, the supernatural, healing, miracles, provision, supernatural provision, the will of God. Any of that could have been in play because he talked about that in the prayer. But to make an immediate follow up point to on this model of prayer that he gave the disciples, he immediately goes into forgiveness of all of the different things he could talk about. It's forgiveness. That shows a preeminence to what Jesus thought on the idea of forgiveness. Cause that's what we see at the cross. That's what, that's what's modeled, right? Jesus is perfect theology. That's what a guy named Bill Johnson says. Maybe you heard of him. Maybe you didn't probably did. Um, and so, you know, it says in Hebrews one, three, he is the exact representation of the nature of God. Colossians two, nine, he is the fullness of deity dwelling in bodily form. I love Colossians two. That's a great chapter. And so, Jesus is God, fully man, fully God at the same time. And that's a very important thing for many other messages that Robert can tell you about. And so what does he model? Luke 23, he's at the cross. He's been nailed up there. He's dying. One of of the final words that he speaks, father, forgive them for they know not what they do. At any, that was the moment Jesus could have lashed out with condemnation, with anger. But he modeled something completely different. Because he only did that which what the Father was doing. He only spoke that which what the Father was saying. Forgive them. They know not what they do. And so if he's our leader and he's our model, it stands to reason that we should follow that example. Right? Even if one of the last two presidents was not our president. <laughs> there, I offended everybody. <laughs> they need forgiveness too. Yep. What are we going to model? What are we going to practice? What's our witness going to be? Are we going to rage like the world against those we disagree with? That's a pretty poor example. I'm not trying to condemn. I'm really not. I think it's coming off a little heavier than it normally does. But um, but it's to illustrate that we are not of this world. Like we're different now. We've said yes to Jesus. We've been transformed by the renewing of our mind, or at least we should be continually in that process. And so how we live our lives in this world should be very different than the world. We don't have to participate in all those things like cancel culture and anything else. We're different. You're different. Yeah. You're a son and a daughter of the King. Yeah. Yeah. You have the divine nature inside of you because the spirit of Christ now resides within. Yeah. So we can do something completely different and maybe model something different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, have you ever moved in the ministry of forgiveness? I know, this trips some people out sometimes. But there have been times where I have forgiven people their sins. Uh I'm an ambassador to the king. I don't know if it's legal or not, but I feel (laughs) unction on it. And, like, you see people dealing with condemnation and shame, and they're so bound up to it that they need to hear words of forgiveness in order to be set free. I remember in Zambia, there was this lady, and she was just really bound up, and she was broken, and she had... Um, she had slept around, committed adultery, and she just thought she was beyond uh, the reach of God. Like, how could God love her? How could God forgive her? And I just, I held her like this, and I said, "The Lord forgives you, and so do I." And she just wept, melted, collapsed on the floor, and she had an encounter with Jesus and was set free. So, yeah. I'm sure the Pharisees would have a problem with that. I don't care. And so, um, yeah, so we need to follow Jesus's example. Um, you know, cause there's some heavy scriptures, right? I mean, we all love the, you know, the fun scriptures, but there's really some heavy scriptures we're talking about, like Matthew 18, 35. Um, then you got like this one in Luke six thirty-seven: and do not judge and you will not be judged and do not condemn and you will not be condemned, pardon, and you will be pardoned, um, I mean, you know, in the same measure that you measure out, it'll be measured unto you. Yes. So what are you measuring out? Because really what you're doing is you're sowing seeds for whatever's going to come on that day when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. It's appointed for man to die once and then comes judgment. Uh, Hebrews eight twenty-seven. So that's all coming. So what are you sowing into your future experience? Because the same measure you measure out is the same measure that's going to be measured to you. This is why I err on the side of grace. (laughs) If I'm going to mistake, if I'm going to make a mistake, I'm not going to make a mistake on the side of law. I'm going to make a mistake on the side of grace because I know that's what I measure out is what I'm going to get back. That's the seeds that I sow. So what kind of harvest do you want to have in your life? Now, what does forgiveness mean? It doesn't mean that what happened to you is OK, or acceptable, or right, or anything like that. The things that we experience in life really stink. Some of them are traumatic. They're heart-wrenching. They're catastrophic loss, betrayal, like all of that. It doesn't, forgiveness doesn't mean that stuff's OK. But what it means, forgiveness means, is we're not going to let that hold on to our life and hold us back from moving ahead in success and victory. That's the power of forgiveness. We set aside and we send away the hurts and the wounds and the traumas and the acts of all that stuff that's been done to us so that it no longer affects us. It no longer dominates our mind it no longer dominates our heart so that 20 years from now you see that person who offended you and you're still doing this. Ooh. Right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Mm-hmm. The story I let off with. You know, we went back to Africa shortly after we were married and we fell into a trap. And listen, we made some mistakes in immaturity that created a situation like this, but because of other issues outside of us it blew up into this. And we got squashed. We shouldn't have been. It should have been handled differently. I can look at it now. But it wasn't. And so, but I know we initiated it. We had to take ownership of it. Doesn't mean what we experienced was right, but we had to acknowledge that we started a ball rolling down a hill that grew into a giant snowball that wiped out the village. And so, but we had to forgive the principal player in that. And that took a little while. All I know is after it happened, I lost four months of my life. I was so crippled with unforgiveness because the pain was so intense. It felt like being betrayed. It felt like injustice. It was like so intense. All I could do for four months was play a computer game at home while my marriage is falling apart because I was so, I couldn't really go to church. I couldn't read my Bible. I couldn't worship. I couldn't pray. I was just so paralyzed inside by this hurt that I had experienced that it was destroying me. And the root of it was I was not able to forgive. My unforgiveness was destroying my own life. And so it finally took Papa Jack Taylor getting involved for those who know Papa Jack that started the ball of forgiveness happening. And so, but it took a while I had to continually forgive. It wasn't a one-off. Sometimes it's a one-off. Sometimes Holy Spirit shows up and there's like a sovereign forgiveness deliverance thing and it's beautiful and it's awesome. That wasn't my experience. I had to have a discipline of continually forgiving this person who had hurt us and hurt me specifically. And it took a few years. But every time it would, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. And so, you know, the first few times you see the person afterwards, you see him and you're like, ooh. Right? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Just being real. Amen. Ooh. And then over time, you forgive more and then it becomes a, ooh. <laughs> ooh. And I remember it was about, it was in 2015. So this is like five years later. I remember finally seeing this person again because our paths would cross because they're a very well-known person in our movement. Okay, so if I said the name, you'd know who it was. And so our paths would cross. And I remember when I saw him in 2015, and I remember think I didn't have that response anymore. Like my heart had been completely healed. And so I was able to go up to them and give them a big hug and tell them I love them, I bless them. You know, we see what God's doing in in these specific nations, and we celebrate it. And ever since then, our relationship has been better than what it was before. And that's the kingdom. That's the way of Jesus. That's how it should work. But it took a little while. And it took intentionality and an act of my will to forgive. Every time that pain showed up, to forgive. To forgive again and again. So that that person did not live rent-free in my head. Because one of the things that grieves me the most as I go to different churches as I itinerate and travel around is there's people I know that have dealt with unforgiveness for decades. Like they have this chain that's tied to their soul and they've had it for decades. And they have an inability to forgive and cut that chain off you know whether it's because they find identity in that offense or um there's a lot of different reasons why but it's tragic when i see that because that's not what jesus paid the price for that's not why he bled and died like he paid a heavy price so that we could be made completely whole that we can be overwhelmingly victorious as it says in romans 8 37 that we can live so successfully that none of that stuff can affect us right. and touch us yeah. Yeah. and dictate paths in our lives that we were never supposed to go down. Because yeah. yeah. that's ultimately what's happening. We're choosing with unforgiveness to walk paths that the Lord did not ordain for you to walk down. That's right. yeah. And I'll tell you what, it will never be as good as the primary path the Lord had marked out for you. Now, the good news is, is Jesus will walk any road. So we're not without hope. But don't choose to walk a path that God did not ordain for you. That's just hard. Save yourself the heartache and the hardship. Don't do that. Forgive. Forgive mom. Forgive dad. Forgive your siblings. Forgive your children. Forgive that teacher. Forgive the boss. Forgive President Trump, forgive President Biden, forgive all the political leaders, forgive them all. What about our neighbor? Depends. <laughs> <laughs> if, they're, if they're a Green Bay Packers fan. Now we're not going to right place. I know. <laughs> It's all out of envy. I'm a Bears fan. Yeah, it's... I know, I know. I'm just, it's, I'm just jealous. You guys have had two franchise QBs in a row, and the Bears have never had one. Maybe. If we get, if we get Justin Fields an offensive line that can block and receivers that can catch. All right, let's focus. We're coming back. Come back, Holy Spirit. Come back. Come back. I'm sorry. Come back. All right, yeah, I know, I crossed into football. Football's safer than politics. <laughs> and so, um, and so, tying back in, condemnation is not something that's for us. Romans 8, one. there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So let me propose something to you. If we have not received condemnation, because we're in Christ, so we have not received condemnation over our sin from the Father, how then can we have condemnation to give to the world and to others? It didn't come from God. God is not our source. So, what source are you tapping into to be able to give condemnation to others? Just marinate on that for a moment. Because there is one who condemns, but it's not God. So if we're moving in condemnation, that means we're following someone who is not Holy Spirit. And we need to repent. Who are you to extend condemnation to other people that you didn't get from God? That's idolatry. That's setting yourself up as God. Let's not do that. Yeah. Yeah. Repent and be forgiven. That's the beauty of it all. So we're getting close to land in this ship. As believers, as sons and daughters, we've been given authority. Jesus says in Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So what are we going to bind and what are we going to loose? Because we have the authority. He has given us the keys of the kingdom. And so we can open doors or we can lock doors. We have authority. We have a choice. So how are we going to use this authority and this freedom to release heaven on earth. We can't do it if we're locking people up in condemnation because we have unforgiveness. But we can do it if we open the doors of forgiveness and release people into freedom, healing, peace. That's part of our role. We have the same ministry of reconciliation that Jesus has, right? 2 Corinthians 5. Well, part of that ministry of reconciliation is rooted in the new covenant, which we see in Jeremiah says, I'm going to remember their sins no more. (laughs) That's God. I don't know how that works, but God forgets your sin when they come under the blood. I think this is my picture of how it works. We have the book of remembrance that it talks about in Micah, and it records everything that's in there. So when they open the book... It's like what you see, though, is in all the things that we've done wrong that have been bu- brought under the blood, it's like it's been blotched out in red ink. That's how I visualize it. So only the good stuff remains, and that's where we get our reward. I think that makes sense to me. I don't know if it's true or not. Robert can. It makes sense. Visual picture. Sounds like it. And so what are we going to lose? What are we going to bind? Are we going to bind unforgiveness So that freedom can be loosed. But we have the choice, we have the power to choose. Because ultimately, love is always an act of one's will. And to forgive is to love, it's to love without strings attached. Because sometimes we need to forgive people who will never ask, who will never come in repentance, they'll never say, I'm sorry but you are strong enough and you are more valuable enough that you can forgive even without getting that. You are, you are valuable, so you can do that without ever receiving that instead of being trapped in the chains that bind. Yeah. So here's a little word picture, and then we'll land the plane. Unforgiveness is a root to the tree of condemnation, which produces when mature the fruit of bitterness that when consumed will lead to death. Forgiveness is a root to the tree of salvation or life, which produces when mature the fruits of freedom, joy, peace, and love. And so the real question for us as believers is which tree are we going to eat? Which fruit are we going to eat of? One produces life, one produces death and we have the choice to choose. So what then shall we choose? So as I've been talking, I've been talking about some different things. I know Holy Spirit sometimes put things on people's hearts. Like he puts his finger on that issue and this issue and this person. And so what I want to do here is I want to give an opportunity for us to encounter Holy Spirit and let him lead us into some forgiveness that we might need to extend. Um, and in the process, I really do believe that we will see some healing that will come out of that. Um, and so um, we're just going to go do it right where we are. We don't need mood music. It's okay. Holy Spirit can still come without the instruments. I love the instruments. Don't get me wrong. But, um, And so right here where we're sitting, I'm going to pray. And we're just going to have this moment. And I want you to just ignore the people next to you. Ignore the person sitting next to you. This is going to be a holy moment between you and God. And we're just going to invite him to come and highlight those areas in our heart that he's he's knocking on those doors. Because he wants to open them and come in and clean out all the junk. Clean out the hurt and the pain, the trauma and the wounds. Because he wants to live in those areas too. And so, Holy Spirit, we know that you're here. We acknowledge your presence. You've been here. You are always here. Because I know this is a house that has made a home for you. And so, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come right now and that you would knock on our hearts and that you would expose the areas of unforgiveness that we have towards anyone or anything, towards a parent. Towards a friend, towards an acquaintance, towards a co-worker, whatever it is. Whatever is binding us up, Holy Spirit, just reveal whether it's a picture, whether it's a name, whether it's a word. And so right now we're just going to be quiet and I'm going to let you do business for a couple minutes with God. And let's clean out this area and these areas of our heart. Because Jesus loves you so much, he wants you to be whole and to be healed and to be full of abundant life. And unforgiveness is not abundant life. So Holy Spirit, lead us. Come. lord thank you lord and you may have to forgive yourself it's okay to forgive yourself we all have all made mistakes but you don't have to be you don't have to do a self-imposed guilt because you missed a mark You can forgive yourself because Jesus forgives you and you're not greater than Jesus. So receive His forgiveness and let Him clear the slate. You don't have to carry that anymore. Your sin is forgiven. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, I ask that as we clean out these areas of our hearts that you would come in now with a fresh impartation, with a fresh um, visitation to fill those areas that are now vacant, that you would bring healing, that you would bring joy, that you would bring a freedom, a peace, a hope, a faith. Whatever it is, we invite you to come and fill those areas now. Fill those areas. One of the surest ways to know that you've expressed forgiveness is to be able to bless those that you have just forgiven. And so just right now where you're at, as you think about whether it's a company or whether it's a person, family member, just right now where you're at, just pray a blessing on those that have offended you or hurt you or caused you pain that you just forgave. Because if you can do that, then you have forgiven and if you can't, then there's still some more forgiveness. And sometimes it takes more than one time. It's okay. You don't have to get it all done in one shot. Forgiveness is a lifestyle, much more so than an act. So just bless the person who offended you and hurt you. Ask him, Ask God to encounter them, to fill their life with his presence, to bring the provision that's needed for them to live healthy and whole, that their brokenness would be healed, and that relationships would even be restored to be of better quality than they ever were in the past. Because that's the gospel. That's the kingdom. That's the restoration. That's the reconciliation. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just give you thanks for this time in your presence. We love you, Father. Thank you for giving your son and making a way for us to be whole, to have abundant life, to come and be a part of your family. Not of our own doing, but because of your love and of your doing. And that is amazing. And we celebrate you. And we just say yes. Jesus, we say yes to you. Jesus, we say yes to your teachings, that you would continue to write them on our hearts so that we would get it and understand and implement the words of life into our lives so that we could reflect you in a much greater fashion than we ever have before. And so we celebrate the breakthroughs that people have had just quietly here in their lives. And Holy Spirit, what I ask is you'd move through with a wave of healing right now, that you'd begin to touch people's bodies, that back pain would be healed, that knee pain would be healed, that shoulder pain would be kneeled, that neck pain would be healed, that indigestion and acid reflux would be healed in the name of Jesus. Just come and move through and bring healing where there's a need for healing where we are not experiencing wholeness, Father, I ask that you would come and just let us be whole. Come, Holy Spirit. Injo, roho, and takatifu. Come. Just move right now. Heart problems being healed, heart pain, chest pain, breathing problems, be healed in the name of Jesus. Lord, we believe in what you've done, that the work of the cross is finished. And Lord, we ask for the fullness of that work to be implemented in each one of our lives. We don't want to leave anything on the table, especially because of unforgiveness. So continue to lead us, continue to grow us, in the ways everlasting, in the ways of abundant life. And where we struggle, help us, Lord. Help us to walk the path of forgiveness, even for the deepest traumas, the deepest pain, the deepest abandonments. Because you're good like that. And you will walk the road with us, no matter how hard it is, so that we can get into the promised land of freedom in you. We thank you for this time. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.